Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on in. It's Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you as the next hour we'll dive all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. Last night you had UFC Vegas 1000. I don't even know what the number is, to be honest with you. Derek Lewis was taking on Elixir Linux in the main event. And I went into this thinking it was going to go two ways. I thought it was going to be either super exciting or it was going to be super boring. Um, I didn't know who was going to win, but I felt pretty, pretty good about Derek Lewis. But I didn't really feel great about Derek until I saw them, you know, face to face. And I was like, man, he's so much bigger than him. You know, Alexi Olenek is, you know, he's got his nickname for the reason. And he's almost got 60 pro wins. And look, the dude's an absolute monster. Let's let's not let's not forget about that. But it's tough when you when you're a guy who has to go stop people from breathing or, or get their limbs like it is a challenge to go get somebody who is a lot bigger than you in, in some regards, especially at that division. You know, a lot of these weight classes, uh, you know, you're going to be in some type of a range, but at heavyweight. Uh, if you know you're coming in at 227, no cutting, and one guy is cutting to get to 265, and you know they what do they say? He's 20 pounds. So let's just let's just say on the benefit, you you say he's you know 280. Let's just call it you know let, let's be generous about it for for Derek Lewis. Uh, the guy brings an absolute hammer, and and so you're going to be into these positions where you're going to have to to try and and wrangle this absolute pit bull off of you. Uh, and it wasn't going to be an easy task. Uh, Derek Lewis came out guns blazing in the first round. He was coming with the high kick, with the heavy hands. Uh, when he got when it, it got put to Olenek on the ground a little bit, starting over some shots. Herb Dean was uh, was was bagging him off for some shots in the back of the head. Um, you know he ends up on top of of Alexi Olenek, puts uh, put some shots on him. Then Alexi Olenek ends up taking the, they they end up getting up, and it ends up getting to a point where it's. Uh, he ends up getting a, a single leg and then taking him down, and he starts going on to this. Uh, I don't, you know, it was one of these uh, these moves. And excuse my ignorance for not knowing it because I don't see it very often. But I believe Derek Lewis put this British bulldog type of stuff uh, afterwards, and and uh, it looked hard. You know, Olenek looked like he was uh, he was tying it in and uh, was messing with with Derek's breathing. Um, but you know, he, he he held composed. It was okay. He never looked too locked in. I think part of the reason is the dude's so big. He was able to push off Olenek. Um, second round comes in. Derek Lewis starts throwing the throws a throws a flying knee, hits him with a big hammer, 
puts Olenek down, ends up finishing with some ground and pound, and Derek Lewis, Derek Lewis ends up getting the victory uh, over Alexi Olenek with a uh, big second round. I got disappointed in the post-fight interview for a couple of reasons. One, you uh, you heard it started off great because Derek Lewis uh, told somebody off camera that he had to go take a – well, he had to take a poop, but he didn't use – uh, that kind of language. He was using the four-letter words. Although, this is weird to me. Can I just say, it's a strange thing with ESPN because I'm fresh off of watching documentaries with Lance Armstrong literally dropping 25 F-bombs in the span of two minutes, Michael Jordan dropping the F-bomb, Dennis Robin dropping the F-bomb. Like They're just letting it fly willy-nilly. And... This ESPN Plus, which is a digital streaming platform, so they're not uh, in the regulations of FCC, not that even that ESPN is, not in the regulations of anything. They, I guess, are just in the parameters of Disney. Um, for some reason, if, if Derek Lewis says the S word, we find a need to delay that. And I find that really strange. Very, very strange. First of all, it's, you know, it's 11.30 p.m. on a Saturday night. Um, it, it, you know, we're watching men in a cage fight. If I could watch a sit down interview in a, 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 a family friendly documentary kind of made for all, I would say, let him, let him drop whatever, you know, whatever profanity he wants to, because that's the beauty of him. And I feel like, you know, Disney is, is handicapping him. Not that Paul Felder did a great job with the interview as it was anyway, but, uh, because I'm sure he's got people. You know, Paul Felder is pretty, pretty new to the broadcasting game. I'm sure he's got producers. Oh, I got to curse, you know, try and take it easy. We don't want ESPN freaking out. No, 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 no. Let him go out there. Let it fly willy nilly and let's go. Um, what does this mean for the heavyweight division as far as it's concerned? It's an interesting, it's an interesting conundrum that they got going on here. Look, we're going to get into a little bit later on today, uh, DC versus Stipe. We'll get into that matchup, but their contenders right now are really fantastic. I just don't know where they go with this type of stuff um, because they got a couple of weird factors in this. You know, you got Curtis Blades, who feels like he's done enough to earn a title shot, but he's lost to Francis Ngannou. You have Derek Lewis, who only guy at the top right now he's fought. I don't believe Derek's fought Curtis. Let me just double check on that. But the, we all know what happened in the infamous Francis Ngannou fight. The fight was terrible, and we were all super excited for it. But it was a terrible matchup. Um, but the problem was that uh, it was a bad fight. And I don't know if you can sell people on this super fight between them again uh, because of how bad it was, even though he's got a win. And everybody kind of looks at Francis and says, well, Francis is the guy who deserves the title shot over everybody because he steamrolled everybody since his Steve fight except for Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis has a win over Francis Ngannou. Um, now, Derek didn't really have any clear plans. All he really made out afterwards is that he wants to lose a lot of weight and that he wants to get to the 250 range. He doesn't want to be a guy who has to cut. But that's neither here nor there. The, the weird thing is, is that we're in this position right now with, um, with, with the heavyweight division where, all right, we're looking at the contenders and you know, obviously Francis is kind of looked upon as the, the guy, as as who who is going to be next up. Um, he's steamrolled. I mean, just he's steamrolled everybody ex uh, in, in his wake, including Curtis Blades. So 
what do you do with him? I mean, if in this position, he's been, you know, UFC Drago, done everything that you've wanted there. Um, but if Steve Bay ends up winning this fight, if he ends up beating DC, you know, Steve Bay put it on him. Steve Bay put it on him. Now, I think that Francis has done enough to earn a title shot. But if you're the UFC and, you know, if you're Derek Lewis, I would raise my hand and be like, okay, but excuse me, excuse me, he's lost to the champion. Let's just say if Steve Bay won. He's lost to the champion, and I technically have a win over this guy. Yes, it was a snooze fest, but he did win. He did win. And I think it's enough to warrant a number one contender fight between the two of them to fight on. Francis versus Curtis Blades, that, that's all she wrote. They haven't done they, they they can't really do anything with that. They could do Derek Lewis versus Curtis Blades if they are just gonna fast track Francis to get the title shot. Um, and then of course we have the John Jones factor, which is if John Jones is thrown into the mix, obviously John Jones is not going to heavyweight unless it is for a belt on the line. So that throws a monkey wrench into all this stuff as well. But you're looking at a division right now where you have two gentlemen fighting for the belt next week. Uh, one of them has beaten Derek Lewis and beat him soundly in Daniel Cormier, but he's probably retiring. Um, Stipe has beaten France Ngannou. Beat him very soundly. Um, so there's that. He doesn't really have a new top contender to take on, I guess, except for Curtis Blades. Um, or you could fight Derek Lewis. But the main guy everybody wants to probably see fight for the title. And, and Francis, he kind of already beat the brakes off of him. So it, heavyweight is in this place where they got a good group of contenders there. They got guys that I think the fans are really excited to watch fight. Um, and, and Derek and Curtis and Francis, uh, the wild card of John Jones. And then, you know, we can't even forget. Also, we got coming up next week on that card. You got Jarzinho Rosenstrike against Junior Dos Santos. Junior Dos Santos obviously is not new. Jarzinho is, but Jarzinho has a, a, a spot where he's got a lot of redemption to do. If he comes out and he knocks out Junior Dos Santos, I feel like he's right back into that mix of, Guys, people are excited about, even though he just got obliterated by Francis. Maybe you could do a Rosen strike versus Derek Lewis. So there's a lot of options. There's a lot of things of uh, and a lot of areas we could go to when it comes to the heavyweight division and which direction to go into. There's a lot of places we could go to. Um, it's just gonna kind of be a matter of where the dominoes fall because I think if Rosen strike ends up getting a big time win, he kind of he he can definitely slip back into this. Uh, this picture, I still feel like after the way you lose to Francis Ngannou, he has a, a little bit more rehabbing to do than a Derek Lewis does uh, with Derek. If I'm Derek Lewis, I mean, the, the move is, you know, get me in a fight with Francis Ngannou. I, I do two things. One is I first, I guess first if I'm Derek Lewis, I get down my weight and I try and get a fight with Stipe. If Stipe ends up staying champion Two, if that doesn't happen, I try and make the rematch happen with Francis Ngannou. Even though it was a snooze fest, you guys talk about, you know, Francis was a little mentally shook. Derek's back was messed up. All those kind of excuses you can make to get it going. I think people, you can make people forget that it was one of the worst fights we've ever seen. I think you can because of how exciting they typically are. Um, you know, maybe there's something where like Dana White, it, maybe with those two, maybe there's something like Dana White could do like, I don't know, something crazy, like a half a million knockout bonus or something nuts like that. I don't know. Just to just to kind of 
pique the interest a little bit more and, and, and get people to be a little bit more forgiving of it because of it being such a bad fight as it was last time. Um, but it's a fun division, man. I feel like heavyweights it, it, as good a place as it's been in a long time. And I do feel like, uh, the John Jones thing is interesting. If you know, there was some rumblings of, uh, DC saying like, Oh, could a bunch of money be thrown his way? If John were to come back, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like if you were to ask people that are MMA fans and you could say, hey, John's going to make his heavyweight debut, but it can only be against one guy. And it, 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 who, who would you want that to be? DC, Stipe, or Francis? I feel like a lot of people are saying Francis Ngannou. I really, really do. Um, I just think people want the freak show, even if, even if it doesn't have the bad blood that him and DC have, um, and you're not going to have that trash talk. I would imagine leading up to that fight. I just feel like the freak show of seeing the best to ever do it with the, the scariest, you know, package, I guess that they've ever put forth in the heavyweight division and having those two clash. I, I it's almost like having the Avengers, fight justice league like it's it's that kind of crazy um and i feel like second would be dc i don't know how many people are really into john jones versus stipe other than you know john could even i mean it'd be amazing because you know you're talking about maybe the greatest heavyweight of all time versus the greatest to ever do it could he cement his legacy it's you know and i think it could make for a really fun fight um it's just you know you gotta you gotta sell legacy in that fight more than anything because you know, promo wise, uh, all that type of stuff. You're just not going to get that from Stipe, you know, but if, look, if Stipe goes out and he has a great performance against, against DC, maybe all that stuff switches. So we'll get into a little bit more of that fight in, 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 uh, in the comings of the show. Um, as far as the rest of last night was concerned with, uh, with fight night, co-main event, you had Chris Weidman come out and he took on Omari Akhmedov, beat him, uh, 29-27 on two cards, 29-28. Um, good win for Chris Wyman. He definitely needed it. Um, and it was good because I felt like the second round was going to a bad place. I, I don't want to get to a place where I don't want to see Chris Wyman fight because it looks like he doesn't want to be in there. Still isn't, um, you know, a guy who I think looks close to his prime. You know, I know he's saying he's back and all that type of stuff. You know, I don't think anybody who watched that was... Um, in the mindset of, oh, Chris Weidman is back. Um, even he admitted the performance wasn't that great. Uh, they know they moved, you know, he's moved down to South Carolina. He's one to one, all that type of stuff. I was hoping maybe we'd see a little bit more uh, display of strike. He didn't look like he really had a lot of interest in striking. And I think that was the thing that I was surprised with is, you know, you make a lot of this move down to South Carolina. You're there with your brother-in-law, who's maybe the best striker in the UFC. And we don't, we don't really see anything new. And, you know, the thing I find interesting about it with, with, with Chris is this is a guy who stood right in front of Anderson Silva with all the tricks Anderson Silva was bringing the clowning, the theatrics, all that type of stuff. And he said, bleep that went straight forward and knocked the dude out. And people could say, well, Anderson, you know, I was, all right, but you know, Anderson fooled a lot of people and front kicked him to the, to, to hell too. And Chris didn't let that infect him. And it just doesn't feel like a guy uh it doesn't feel like that guy i don't know if that guy's ever coming back um and, and the idea that he'll get 
to the top of the middleweight division. I don't know. I don't. I don't see that. But um, either way, good for him to get a win. The one thing I'll say that I find a little bit weird uh, with the UFC, and I, and uh, you know, I've mentioned this right before with the scoring and all. That. I don't have an issue with Chris winning two out of three rounds. I find it strange that he got 10-8 rounds. And the reason I find this is I didn't find the third round to be a, a, a bludgeoning. You know, I found it to be dominant in, in the regards to, you know, uh, Akhmedov didn't really do anything back. But here's why I find it weird in, in, in the UFC. The UFC is so strange or MMA is so strange in the way it is scored is that you can basically basically just keeping a guy from doing anything helps you out on the scorecards more so than inflicting a lot of damage on a guy. And what I mean by that is Chris Wyman could come against Akhmedov, could could knock him down, knock him silly. But let's just say Akhmedov has a tough chin, right? Let's just say, let's say Chris Wyman puts him down twice, hits him with a, a knee, hits him with a shot. Akhmedov is wobbled, puts him up against the cage. You know, it's looking very dangerous, definitely compromised. But if he doesn't put him out, out, or he doesn't have him bloodied, 10-9. But Chris Weidman could take a guy, you know, be better at wrestling than him, hold him down, you know, go for this arm triangle thing for the entire round, you know, hit him with a couple of elbows, which he probably could have inflicted more damage on, and that will be looked upon as a 10-8, more so than if it was on the feet and he would really rock his socks off or even knock him down we're in box you know and i know this isn't a boxing the mma is not apples to apples but in boxing like if you knock a guy down in boxing it's 10-8 you know automatic pretty much automatically unless a dude really comes back uh and forces the, the judge's hand it's mostly you put a guy in the canvas in boxing that's a 10-8 now i i know there's difficulties with this because it's not 12 rounds and so we're 10 rounds there's not that area where a guy can actually look like he can catch up. So if a guy gets a 10-8 round, you know, one, if he loses another round, there's really no way for him to come back. Two, if he's winning, you know, it could automatically be a draw. So I understand the difficulties of it. It's just weird to me the way we go and, uh, and score these things. Um, so, yeah, man, it was, uh, it was a, a, a fun night. Some crazy night. Benel uh, Darius had a sick knockout on Scott Holtzman. Spinning back elbow was awesome. Uh, Kevin Holland uh, took out Joaquin Buckley. He hit him right in, right in the snot rocket. Knocked his, uh, his mouthpiece out. So some really sick knockouts, uh, some sick finishes uh, on this night. And, uh, yeah, when we come back, we get to a little bit of Bellator. Bellator is on Friday night. Had the hometown girl, Valerie Lareda, fighting. You had Michael Chandler, one of my favorites, in the cage, taking on Ben Henderson. We'll get a little recap of that coming up next. We'll continue on here with Fighters Fury, everybody. It's Tobin here with you. And, of course, if you miss any of the show, you can download the podcast, subscribe on the radio.com app. Uh, it's all there for you, all the episodes, all the interviews that we have for you guys. Um, download it there. You guys can also get us an Apple podcast. And uh, it's available on Google Play, all those types of platforms. Check us on out there. Fighters Fury, everybody. Uh, we had Bellator this past weekend. Uh, fun card. Fun card. We had a lot of stuff that uh, I was very interested in watching with Bellator, which is uh, which is important with them. Like, uh, you know, they'll they'll get me and they won't get me. Um, uh, you know, I told I think I said this a couple of weeks ago when they were back on the mat. I was like, you know, they've they've let go of the rope a little bit as far as getting with all this stuff. It was when Aaron Pico was fighting and they're like, you know, 
they kind of wanted to take uh, the fun out of them. And uh, I was into this card. There was a couple reasons. One, I love watching Michael Chandler fight. Uh, that guy's one of my favorite fighters on the planet, regardless of organization. So I was stoked to watch him versus Ben Henderson. Obviously, you have a rematch there. Um, and Michael's one of those guys where he's kind of one of like, you know, one of the last few where I'm really like, I want to see what his skill set is in the UFC. I've been wanting to see. I wish it would have happened a couple years earlier, to be honest with you. I got why it didn't because he was so much at, I think, the peak of his powers at lightweight. And Lightweight was kind of hung up in this spot where he wasn't going to get Habib. He wasn't going to get Connor. Um, but I also think that there was some slippage. Obviously, he had the, the loss of Pitbull. So that uh, deterred some things. He had the weirdo loss to Brett Primus with his leg going down. So he, he suffered a couple losses in the midst. But that dude is all action. He's super exciting. And I truly do believe that uh, he could compete with a lot of guys in that division. And hell, I mean, we saw this with Justin Gaethje. Justin Gaethje came from World Series of Fighting. Um, and is now the interim champion of the world. So guys can come from other organizations. Bellator, Eddie Alvarez, his longtime rival, came into the UFC, won the championship. Um, so I would love to see what that guy could do in the UFC. Fantastic win against Ben Henderson. Uh, ends up putting him out. Puts no doubt in the mind. And I, and I do think that if that was his last fight, I think it's a good signature win to kind of go off. You know, his... His post-fight interview was a little bit strange because he was like, I put all the lightweights on notice. Scott Coker, you're also on notice. Let's get a deal done. So, you know, clearly he's not happy with the negotiations and he's not happy where things are at. You know, but I think there's also got to be a piece of him that wants to see what that, uh, what this, is it the best time to go get a new contract with the UFC? Probably not. Um, I imagine that, you know, free agents trying to get a deal with the UFC right now. It's not fantastic. Um, and, and, and again, uh, unfortunately for him, I do think that he's going into a lightweight division that is pretty stacked. I don't necessarily know that he's going to be up to the front of the line as far as getting him a title shot is concerned, just simply because, you know, you have the, the, the title fight being between Habib and Justin, then you have. Connor waiting in the wings. You have Dustin and Tony already there. So it's not like Michael Chandler's going to come in here and he's going to get a, a kind of a, you know, a fast pass to the, to the top of the rankings. Um, but also, you know, it also comes down to him. Like well, what's left. He's 34 years old. Um, so it's not like he's ancient. He keeps in phenomenal shape. We know this. I mean, if you guys, if you see the guy on, Social media trains, trains like an absolute monster. Um, I just think that for him, I'd, I'd love to see him make the leap. I would love to see him make the leap. I'd love to see him fight a, a Dustin Poirier. I'd love to see him fight a Tony Ferguson. I'd love to see him fight a Justin Gaethje, a Conor McGregor, a Habib. You know, I'd love to see him be thrown into the mix with all of those guys. With Bellator, he's done it all. He's He's been the poster child forever. It did feel like it was mostly a goodbye when he was talking, but he did throw in that last line about Scott Coker. So obviously if, uh, if Bellator comes to, you know, whatever the terms are that he wants, I think he'll stick around. I really, for them, um, he just brings so much, I think, credibility to their organization. I don't know how many guys they have to pay well because they, I think are built a lot on old heads and a lot of the exciting young prospects. 
Um, there aren't many guys who are just in their, you know, you think of like a, they're in their prime and they're must-see on Bellator, and he's one of them. So it'll be interesting to see, but I hope I hope that this ends with Michael Chandler ended up ending up in the UFC because I really want to see what that that looks like for him. Um, Matt Mitrione ended up losing uh, to Timothy Johnson. That was a tough fight for him, and you know there's been a couple of tough ones in a row for our guy Matt Mitrione, who uh, we've had on a few times on this program, and of course the he's always he's king of the Kimbo stories. So I, I always have a special place in my heart for. Matt Mitrione, but he is, uh, he's now lost a couple in a row. He lost to actually, he's lost technically three in a row. Cause he lost to Sergey Karatanov on their rematch after he kicked him right in the nuts and broke his, uh, broke his balls really. Uh, and he lost to Ryan Bader in the grand prix. And it's unfortunate for Matt. We talked to him a little bit about this the last time we had him on and we were discussing the fact that, you know, that Grand Prix kind of came around. He probably should have just been fighting right for the title after his win over over Roy and, and him and Roy don't like each other. He had the knockout over Fedor. So his Bellator career started off like wildfire. It's it's in a little bit of a skid right now. Um so that'll be interesting. He was, you know, he's obviously one of their big draws as well. A little bit more probably on the backside than than Michael Chandler is, being 42 years old, but uh is is you know one of their best ambassadors. The other big thing locally, if you were tuning into this card, the big one that uh, I was looking forward to was seeing Valerie Lareda. Uh, she was going for her third professional win. She was 2-0, and took this fight on three weeks' notice, and it's been a while since we've seen Valerie in the cage. She had some injuries. Obviously, the pandemic's kind of messed with everybody's plans. Um, but, man, I mean, that I thought was a, a – I don't want to say a star-making performance – because I do think, you know, she, in her own way, she is probably one of the most popular fighters for her age. But I, I do think that it, it put a lot of people on notice. And, I, you know, I would like to get some clarification on this from, from her. But I thought when they went to the cage, when they went to her corner, you know, she's a taekwondo. She's literally a taekwondo master. Um, and they went to the corner of the cage and they were, at, they were telling her to go in there and throw some kicks. And she, I thought she said no, <laughs> that she was, she wasn't interested in that. She didn't want to go in there and start throwing kicks at Terragraph. Um, she, she was moving, you know, she, she puts on a, a, a crazy, almost like a crazy movement pace. Like she's almost like, it's almost like trying to, try, trying to wrangle a Cobra into a corner. And, you know, she's just on her bicycle, moving, 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 moving. That just never stops. Never, never seems to get tired, but uh, her hands were looking great. I mean, it really was, you know, for she was, you know, the smaller fighter, but man, her stuff was just crisper. It was cleaner. Um, she was hitting a nasty jab on, on Tara and then ends up just at the buzzer hitting her with this absolute hammer that puts her down. And look, if you're going to get that stuff from Valerie Lareda, you know, I, I just think that you you have a bona fide star in the making. If you are Bellator, it's a tough thing, man. And, and, and you know, for her to be the age she is, we've seen what's happened with, um, you know, the likes of we've seen what happens with the likes of Aaron Pico and 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 Kimbo Slice Jr. and all that type of stuff. They they bring these guys out, and it's it's kind of a blessing that these young fighters are going to get their entire career put out on display. But it's also tough because you're going to see all those all those warts and all that growing pains. And she grew a lot in this fight. It felt like. Um, 
and and seemingly wanted to do it on on different terms too you know like i don't i, I would like to know what the, the whole game plan of that was but it seemed like she didn't want to go necessarily to the bread and butter like she went in there with the purpose of wanting to outstrike this woman with her fists and we really didn't see that that uh you know that 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 uh that that kicking technique that obviously she's gonna have a, a benefit and probably a leg up on anybody she steps in there. I mean, she was you know doing taekwondo in, in onesies. Like, I I think that uh, it's pretty awesome that she has the mindset that she wanted to go in there and and try and outstrike this one with straight up her hands and really cool performance. A lot of people were like, oh, you know, too much with the dancing on the on the on the woman's grave. Um, you know, and she's doing the, uh, you know, not just an IG model and all that type of stuff. Look, man, F that, if I, I mean, for, from my standpoint, like if you, if you go and you knock somebody the bleep out like that, and you have that kind of performance on a, on a few weeks, you're in the midst of this pandemic, it's tough to train. And this woman's talking crap about you and, you know, you know, saying what kind of a role model you are or you know, whether you're just here for, for Instagram likes and all that type of stuff, and you go and out fight that person, um, you could dance on the grave, man, for all I care. I think it's awesome. Um, and I think that, uh, I think, I think, you know, you know, obviously she's not, she's not quite at a Masvidal level of fame right now, but I do think in Miami, I think people are kind of picking up to her almost quicker in her career than they did with George. You know, George was, you know, known by hardcores down here and things like that. But uh, Valerie, I think, can blow up, man. I think she she's something special, uh, especially going and winning a fight like that where it really felt like she paced herself well. She was looking for her at the right opportunity. Caught this, caught, caught Terragraph napping and night-night put, uh, put her out at the buzzer of the lights. So that, for me, was the, uh, the real highlight of the Bellator card. Um, it was interesting seeing what uh what she was going to bring to the table this uh in this in this night and she did not disappoint not disappoint in the in the least bit so that's a little recap of that we come back we get to a little bit of ufc 252 daniel cormier Stevie miacic we'll get into a little preview of the heavyweight championship of the world that's coming up next welcome back everybody it is fighters fury here on 790 the ticket tobin here with you uh all right let's get into a little bit of ufc 252 coming up next week we have Daniel Cormier versus Stipe Miocic for the heavyweight championship of the world. Trilogy fight between these two gentlemen, both of them winning their fights via knockout. You had Daniel Cormier, who I really felt like his first win against Stipe was a, a legacy maker for him because, you know, I think for the longest time, it was going to just be he was the guy who couldn't beat John Jones. And that was going to be Daniel Cormier's legacy now and forever. For better or worse, it was going to be he couldn't beat John Jones. He wasn't good enough. He was great, uh, but he was always second best. And him beating Stipe, uh, the way he that he did with Stipe, I think in everybody's mind, pretty much solidified as, if not the best heavyweight of all time, the best heavyweight resume out there for sure. Um, and the fact that you know he had more title defenses than anybody, and so for DC to get that win. That 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 knockout against Stipe was a real, I think, legacy maker for him. The second time around, I think the thing that's going to be interesting about it is, um, you know what, you know, I think we've seen a lot of rounds between these guys, and I think the thing that's interesting about it is, 
that Steve Bay won that last fight and he, and he had such success against DC in that last fight. Um, after seemingly he was pretty frustrated the first time around, you know, he was, it was, uh, it was a situation where DC looked like he had this one in the bag and then left himself open for those body shots. And Steve Bay found something that worked and DC really didn't have an answer for it. Um, and so you look at these guys and you think, all right, well, how is, you know, what is this going to come down to? Does D, does Stipe realize that he's got a weakness there that he could really expose this first time around, like he did the second time around? Um, or does Daniel feel like he had that one pretty much wrapped up and he could find a safer route to go get to the end of this thing? It's uh, it, it, it's an interesting case for it. My, I lean the way, like I I, I just I, I lean the way because I've seen just seeing the way the majority of these fights have played out between these guys I feel like Daniel Cormier has got the better route to go win and that I feel like he left himself open he made some he made uh he made a bad mistake the last time around um but you know I think that he's a smart enough fighter to not uh to not come around and, and let that happen again in this third fight um but the counterpoint to that would be you know if you're if you're Stipe like you you know you withheld a very frustrating three rounds with this guy and you were still f- able to find your way to victory probably didn't even fight your best fight didn't fight great but you were still able to find yourself on the path to to winning this bout it's a, you know it's a tough it's, it's it's a tough thing to crack let me check what the odds are right now for these suckers miocic odds let's see Right now, you got me. Basically, it's at Pickham right now. It's uh, it's it's a it's a pretty it's a very even fight according to the odds makers. Both of these guys uh, minus you got Steve minus one ten, DC minus one twenty. You're talking about two absolute hammers, two legends, um, who who you know who both can 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 dictate their styles. Look, DC, his striking is pretty damn good. I mean, it's gotten a lot better. I've even thought in the John Jones fights, I thought that. He uh he was showing elements to his hands that we hadn't seen. I mean, he he's a, he's a badass man. He really is, you know. He definitely can go win fights boring, that's for sure. And we've seen that where, you know, a lot of the times he takes on these one-dimensional guys, the Derek Lewis's, the Anthony Rumble Johnsons, and he lets those guys tucker themselves out and he goes and he chokes them out. Like that's his path to going and winning those fights. But you know, he's, you know, he's shown some, some pretty vicious striking too. And, you know, that was just point, that was point positive in the first fight with, with Stipe. Um, you wonder about, obviously this is a retirement fight for him. Is that on, how much is that weighing on his mind? How much is, this is the end? Um, you know, what temptations kind of lie after this. I think the thing that'll be interesting is if he does win, there has been some talk about, you know, Dana throwing a ton of money at him for a John Jones fight. Um, I think it was his coach, Javier Mendez, who said DC likes his money, you know, but DC has got himself. I, I mean, I, I really, really believe this. And I, 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 I've, I've said this on my shows, uh, numerous times is I think he's the best thing in broadcasting right now. So I hope that he's done fighting after this. I understand Juan to complete the trilogy. I think it's necessary for him. Um, these guys are one and one. They were two thrilling endings, two unexpected endings. I think a lot of people thought that DC was going to that first fight and they thought that, um, 
that Stipe was gonna was gonna win, and DC put it on him. And then I think a lot of people went into that second fight thinking DC, well, he beat him that way. He, that was, you know, we didn't expect him to knock him out like that. So obviously, if a fight goes longer, he's gonna beat Stipe, and Stipe ends up winning the fight late by TKO. So they've been very unpredictable results both times going into it, I think. But that being said, um, you know, DC to me is like, he's the best thing in broadcasting going right now. I don't really want to see him fight anymore as far as the John Jones thing. Look, if he at best goes and beats John Jones at heavyweight, um, does that swing things for people? Maybe. I mean, maybe, maybe it does. I don't know. Um, you know, but then does he want to go down that path again? I feel like he's separated. He's done the rare thing. And I don't think that this was going to happen for him without beating Stipe. I feel like the John Jones thing, he's put that stuff past him. He is one of the most beloved guys in mixed martial arts. People love him on the microphone. He's good at it. He's personable. He can be a media star. He could go do world wrestling entertainment. He's going to be fine. I don't feel like he needs a ton of money thrown at him from the UFC for a John Jones fight. You know, he's not at that point in his career. He's made a lot of money. He has a lot of money. He's going to make a lot of money. I think it's etched in stone for him. So I hope this is it for him. What win or lose. I don't want him to fight a freak show, Francis or John Jones. I just hope this is it for Stipe. Uh, you know, obviously, I don't think Stipe has the post broadcasting career that DC does. He's a bit of a mush mouth. And especially after that Francis fight, it sounds, you know, you could, you know, sometimes barely understand what the hell he's saying. And for that reason, I wouldn't even be mad at Stipe if he said, this is it. Because who are they going to put him in there with? He's going to, is he going to, you know, super fight with John Jones would be cool. I don't know if John's going to do that fight, but maybe he will. We'll see. Um, you know, is he going to fight Francis again and, and get his brains rocked even more? Is he going to fight Derek Lewis and get his brain? You know, I just, I think that, you know, you have, you have these types of fights. And, and the other thing with Stipe is I don't think that Stipe is ever going to be promoted the way DC is. I just, don't I think they know that you know they have a guy who's a really good fighter but he's kind of just at a tier as far as what his star power will be so I hope that like if he goes and gets this win against DC yeah kind of I do hope it's it also just mostly because the way he talks is is uh is like man it feels like fighting got got to him quick like what's that gonna what's that gonna sound like if he fights a little bit even more so in a way, I almost hope that whoever comes out on top of this, they they call it a career. I think it's probably likely that Stipe continues going. Um, and I do think that for DC, I think that'll probably be it. So, you know, we'll see. I, I But I would almost like this to be almost the close to a chapter book for these two. I want it to be DC and Stipe, whoever wins wins whoever loses loses and they just ride off into the sunset and then we have this new era of francis and and curtis blades and maybe john jones and jarzino rosenstrike and whoever else is next coming down the pipe and throw Derek lewis in the mix there as well even though he's not as young 
Um, I, I would almost like that to be the next kind of era that's thrown in there for heavyweight. And I think it's pretty damn exciting. So I think I'm going to go, I'm going to pick DC to win this fight. I just feel like I've seen him win more rounds in what we've seen. And I do think that he more so left a mistake open. Maybe was a little bit tapped out. Couldn't get to his, uh, his, his, uh, his defense on it. I don't see him making that mistake again. I think that he's going to find a path to win uh, this fight. I think he's a smart fighter. And I don't think he's going to make that mistake twice against Steve Bay. So I'm going to go with Steve Bay to win this fight. The rest of this card is uh, is is fun because you got uh, Junior Dos Santos taking on Jorginho Rosenstrike. I'm a big Rosenstrike fan. Uh, I like the boys from Suriname. I like him. I love, you know, I'm, uh, my guy's Tyrone Spong. Um, this is kind of like his MMA little protege. Uh, and I was hoping he would get the win against Francis and psh, catapult right to the, the top. That dude's got big balls on him, man. He really does. So he gets a fight in here with Junior Dos Santos. Well, uh, it, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting for Jarzino because, you know, I do think that we've, he had that, he had that Hail Mary win against that Overeem and Overeem is a more versatile striker. He uh, was on his way to winning that fight, and he kind of just came with the bomb from heaven or hell, wherever you want to call it, and broke open his face. Um, with Junior, you know, you're taking on JDS. JDS is a really, really versatile striker. He's working with my guy, Dia Davis, now. You know, to, to have a guy like that, he already was a sharp boxer, one of the best, bo you know, people say, who are the best boxers in the UFC? A lot of people say Jorge Masvidal. A lot of people say Junior Dos Santos. Uh, Jarzinho, he's got crazy bombs, but Junior Dos Santos has finished the best of them. You know, like he's been in there with the best of them. He's finished the best of them. So, you know, and they've done this with the young lions where like he took on a tight to Ivasa where they were like, Oh, this has got to be next coming and wiped him out. Took out Derek Lewis. Um, you know, so. It's tough. You know, he did lose two. He, he, he's on a two-fight losing streak, so he's lost to Curtis and he's lost to Francis, so he's lost to the two, I guess you could call them the young lines of the division recently. But he's still really, really good. He's still really, really good. And if you're putting him in a matchup where he doesn't really have to worry about uh, getting taken down, it is going to be a straight-up uh, a, a stand-up fest. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see Jarzino having some struggles. And plus, he the way he got knocked out, that's always a tough one, too. How, what what Rosenstrike are we going to see come to the cage? What What is going to be on full display for him here? Um, so it's tough. I mean, I, you know, I'm more of a Rosenstrike guy. I like the guy. He's a cool dude. Uh, obviously, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm very biased with JDS because of who's training him now. So I don't really want to pick the fight. I want to be a, a chicken bleep when it comes to this one. I think if I had to guess, to be honest with you, I, I feel like I could see JDS coming in and winning a decision here. Like I feel, or stopping it late. Like I think Jorginho gives it his best go. And if he doesn't get him in the first round, it feels like then it's JDS's fight to win pretty easily. But we'll see. Uh, and then, of course, look, you know, to be honest with you, it's you look at all these matchups that we got going on, but it's it's tough not to look at a fight night like this and 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 see Sugar Sean O'Malley on there, and he's now the co-main event on a pay-per-view, and think that guy is the star of the show. 
You know, like you're talking, you're going to see two legends fight in the main event. You're going to see a legend in JDS, a former champion fight Jarzino Rosenstrike, who is young ish up in, you know, up and coming. Um, you're going to see a lot of veteran names there, man. You're going to see John Dotson on the card. You're going to see Jim Miller on the card and all this type of stuff. But Sean O'Malley feels like he could be the next era. Like he's the dude and carries himself like he's the dude. Um, and this is to think that he even had a layoff because of like a USADA thing. It's pretty nuts. But if you want to talk about like what's must watch, I mean, it's tough not to look at this and say, yeah, I got to go watch, see what Sugar Sean O'Malley has to bring to the table, especially with the way he has been uh, up in the game on as far as talking guys out and the way that he just carries himself. He, you know, what he did to Eddie Wineland was, was criminal. It was, it was, it was so sick. So he calls himself the best striker in the UFC. Let's, you know, he's, he's got a situation here in Marlon Vera where, you know, it's, uh, he was, he was riding pretty high. He's coming off a loss on this one, but you know, they're put, they're doing the thing with him where they're just trying to showcase this guy and get people excited about him. It's not to say that, um, you know, Marlon can't go get a win, but it's uh it it feels right now like this kid could be the next coming and the next superstar for their organization. So yeah, I'm very much looking forward to seeing Sean O'Malley fight. It just feels like he's at the point where like all right, Sean's fighting it's an event. And then what do they do with him? That's going to be interesting. You know, I was very much into watching, you know, be the the way he that that bantamweight night where they had everybody showcased him versus Cody I was into that matchup, but I do get not doing it because if he beats Cody, then you got to put him in for a title shot. And then you don't want to almost fast track him too much. It's like he's at this fine point where he can, he can reach stardom, but you want to put it almost on the right trajectory. You don't want to hit it too quick. Cause he's only, what is Sean? He's only 25. I mean, it's not super young. It's young, but it's not like, it's not like he's 22. So I would say after this, commenting, co-main eventing a pay-per-view, I got to imagine the next thing is you got to main event him on a card um, against somebody in the bantamweight division. Now, is that, you know, I would say beating Marlon Vera, that doesn't put you in line for the title. If you would have beaten Cody, uh, then you got to start talking title with him because simply you're talking about a former champion. Like how many more guys are there to go beat? Um, with Sean... You know, he's finding himself now at 14, goes and wins this fight. You know, then you got to start talking about, you know, do you put him in there with somebody in the top 10? How how long is that slow burn going to be for them before they put him out there? But he's uh, he's definitely, I think, one of the showcases of the night. It's, it's cool that they're putting him in that position. So looking forward to next week, everybody. Uh, for sure, we'll have a full recap for you guys. If you miss any of the show, download the podcast. We'll be back, of course. Same time, same place for the morning show, 6 to 10 a.m. on Monday. And we love you guys and talk to you soon. Bye. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.